0: Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for businesses and entrepreneurs who are in the zone of profitability. My name is Mike McAllowitz. I'm the author of Profit First. And I'm thrilled you're here to join us today to listen to a episode that's going to kick your butt. And you know I'm saying that, Casey, because <laughs> you can't see it in this shot, but you have the Wonder Woman over your shoulder. It's one of my favorite pictures of all time. It's like this contemporary mm-hmm. cool Wonder Woman. And I think that's who you are. You've written a book, Profit First for restaurants and restaurant owners. Can you tell me about the book and why you wrote it in the first place?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's why, to be perfectly honest, I wrote it because I didn't want anyone else to write it, which yeah. probably sounds terrible. Right. But here's where that comes from is because <laughs> I'm being part of, you know, being a, a bookkeeper an accountant and consultant for, uh, all different industries. Most of my clients are in the hospitality and restaurant industry about, well, about 25, 30%, but we work in several others. But um, so I've, I've met plenty of other accountants, business uh, bookkeepers and coaches, and some work in the hospitality restaurant industry as well. And they're great. And thank God they do because we need them. We need all of them because restaurants desperately need our help. But I had yet to run across someone that had my experience as Someone that started a restaurant, ran a restaurant, and then right. eventually had to close and sell restaurants. So I just had this unique experience. I've lived the high life and the low life of a restaurateur. And that's what I did my entire first half of my life and then culminating in owning, in owning them. So I felt like I was the right one. It's very close to my heart. It is my passion, hospitality. I now bring that to my business, Spark Business Consulting. I bring hospitality, but restaurants will always be my first love. So Bringing those together, you get profit first for restaurants.
0: There you go. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you were more than meant to write this. As you're sharing, you needed to write this. You were the yeah. one to write this. One thing I thought was interesting in your story as a restaurant owner was that your partners and you and they themselves weren't all on the same path. And when you have partners kind of seeing the path forward, it's a real challenge. This isn't really necessarily addressed in the book specifically as a strategy. But I'm just curious. If someone's listening in right now and says, I own a restaurant and I have a partner, I want to make it profitable, they're in the lifestyle, How, how do you, or is it possible to get people on the same page to move your restaurant to profitability?
1: I would say profit first, one hundred percent, does that, and that's even before I began implementing it. Because it, you know, it takes every dollar and it gives it a job, right? And so, Mm -hmm. if you're in a partnership, which can be very challenging, I actually don't think I've encountered one that hasn't seen struggles and challenges. You know, it's it's kind of anybody's guess of how you interpret the money and what they should be taking and not be taking. What's my owner's pay? I want to get paid more. We things like that. Profit first just levels the playing field. Here's your owner's pay account. If you're 50-50 owners, you divide it 50-50. It's as simple as that. The yeah. same with you know profit sharing. Here's your profit account, and you divide it based on your ownership. Without that, I have not seen anybody do this well.
0: Yeah, you know what's interesting is without that, you, meaning partners, become confrontational. But yeah. instead, the system speaks its truth. It's the confrontation. And now it's you as partners working with the system. It becomes much more allied. I'm curious about the account setup. So Profit First has the five foundational accounts mm-hmm. in Profit First restaurants. You've taken it to a, I was going to say a much higher level, a much more appropriate level, I yeah. should say, for restaurants, a much more suited level is probably a better choice of words. Tell me, how did you modify the accounts? There's a little Mac Daddy situation going on
1: here. Yeah. I don't even know how Mac Daddy came to me, but it just feel, it feels like the Mac Daddy. Yeah. Because when you... When you run or own a restaurant, your biggest costs by far are going to be your food and beverage and then your labor, right? And, And you add those together. And in the industry, that's known as prime costs, food and beverage and labor. What happens is, especially in kind of the smaller independent restaurants that I work with, and many of them can be, you know, chef-owned or run or whatnot, the chef loves to think like, oh, you know, I, I run a 27% food cost, when in reality, they don't. But there's nothing to really stop them other than a P&L that they're never going to look at in the first place. They're going to tell you the numbers are wrong, and they're going to keep doing what they're doing. But if you have a bank account, and you call it food and beverage costs and it for example if the, sh- the chef says well I run 27% well then guess what take 27 cents off every dollar and move it to that account and you should oh, have plenty of money to pay your bills right yeah and when you don't now that chef can actually see and feel and know oh maybe I'm not running 27% so that's the number one is the food and beverage costs, and I think it's just it's a living breathing budget for restaurants to be able to order the food and craft their menu accordingly so I love that one and the second one one is labor, which most businesses, especially if um, labor is a large line item for them, they should have that anyway. So that's great for restaurants is the overall labor to produce those sales. Of course, there's meals tax account because that is not your money. And sometimes we run into the trouble there. So let's just take that off the top. So those are the added three. There's a few more that you can if you're feeling super sassy. But those are the ones that I really like to have is the food and beverage labor meals tax.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And the clarity and I love that you're coming with with the number pre-filled, is that the right word? The 27% is already in there. There's no if, ands or buts. You can't, there's no fuzzy math. Yeah. I um, have a deli down the street and they have like hundreds or maybe it feels like thousands, but hundreds of items for selection. And a expert came in from their food supplier, which I think was Thumans or Boar's Head. Mm-hmm. And said, we can help with your menu. And the guy just wanted the marker. This was after hours, of course, but just cross things out and said, we got to get rid of all this stuff because it was variability. What are some, and maybe, that's, maybe I'm trying to scratch the surface on menu costing, but do you have suggestions around menu costing, menu structure to control costs?
1: Absolutely. There's an entire very simple exercise in the book, and we actually created a tool that um, you can just download to use it. Oh. But this is a great piece um, of of the book and for a restaurateur to really get into, because what I have found is it's kind of a guessing game. You know, uh, a restaurateur or a chef might say, oh, all right, I'm going to put steak on the menu. I'm going to order a steak and uh, do some rough quick math. I think it's going to cost me like 11 bucks for that steak. All right, throw it on the menu for 25 and call it a day. But what they're not thinking is, okay, well, there's the steak and maybe you got that amount right. But if it's not a la carte, then what's the parsley cost? What's the mashed potato cost? What's yeah. the the bread and butter that you serve with the steak? I mean, there's you really have to break down everything happening on the plate to the ketchup, the A1, the Heinz, whatever it is. Yeah, Break it down because those are things aren't free. I mean, unless you're getting them for free, but I don't know any restaurant that is. So if they're not, break it down and then add them all up. So we have this great simple little spreadsheet where you just kind of guess. And I'm not saying you have to pour out the, the A1 bottle and measure by teaspoon. Just kind of guess. Oh, the lasts me a week. Or I sell 26, whatever it is, just put yeah. a, put something to it. 10 cents, 15, 20 cents. I don't care. It's better than nothing. And then you'll get that total of what it truly costs you to serve that dish, then divide it by the menu price. And then you have your percentage. And I find this to be a big aha moment when we run this with many of our clients.
0: How uh, far off do you find people to be when they say they have $11 plate? It's the steak. What, what do you see it? I mean, I know you can't nail a specific number, but how far off do you see some or all people go?
1: Oh, probably anywhere from twenty to sixty percent off, like Ooh. that, like dollars and dollars off. That is how far. It's it's almost. It, Baffling, just mind blowing. Sometimes when I see something on a menu, I'm thinking, "What were they thinking?" I mean, get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There could be loss leaders, right? You could put a huge prime rib, and maybe you can only mark it up once. I get it. And if you're going to do that, though, you got to have a side dish to offset that astronomical cost, right? You got to do yeah. some truffled linguine for twelve bucks that literally costs you a dollar fifty. Now that's a margin that I can like take home, right? So you have to really think through the menu the costing, and, and really dive into it. And it's so worth it. I mean, that could really change everything for a restaurant that's struggling.
0: Yeah, and another thing I love about your book is you have coached businesses, these restaurants, through Profit First. You've seen the before and after. And you talk about labor, you talk about the food. When they implement Profit First, I'm just trying to get an estimate here. What is the sequence that most restaurants go through? They first see that they have a labor issue. Is it usually the food cost issue? where do they typically get started and what's some of the typical things they do that you've discovered?
1: I would say the labor is not usually uh, eye-opening. That one that is always going to be high. Okay. <laughs> they, just, they just know it. So that one is usually, we're only dialing in usually one to 3%. So So, no biggie. And we can figure that out with some really crafty scheduling. So that's done. It's definitely going to be in the food and beverage category. And especially since COVID because nobody was factoring in takeout supplies in their menu oh, pricing. Oh, interesting. And that, not only the cost went through the roof for a very long time, I think it's stabilized now, but just the fact that it's it's an added expense that you really didn't have as much before. I mean, very little. And now everything was takeout and nobody really knew to flick that switch and say, you have to adjust your prices to combat for that. And that's a big, I mean, every takeout container, if you have the bag, the box, maybe in a sticker, we're talking $1.50, $52 each. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. It's a big nut. Yeah that, yeah. that
0: scratches margin for sure. Tell me uh, your favorite story from the book.
1: I do have lots of favorite stories. Um, I, honestly, the first one that pops into my mind is the yeah. five guys story. I have to say.
0: Oh, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me.
1: Yeah. So that's, I did, I could not, Finish the book without writing a chapter on culture. Uh, it's incredibly important. As a yeah. matter of fact, I have many of my bigger restaurant companies hiring a people and culture person now j- as a full time person. So it's it's that important. It's it's that huge. So for me, my favorite story I'd say is Five Guys. Right. So it's obviously not my client. <laughs> (laughs) It's a national burger chain. They probably have their own in house. I'm sure they do. But when it comes to culture, and if you've ever been to Five Guys and and any of them, when you buy, when you order fries, right, there's a cup, small, medium, and large, and you get the cup and they put it in the bag. And maybe you order a couple of medium fries, you put them in the bag. And the last thing they do in every single bag is they pick up that scoop and they put it on top. There's Mm. an extra scoop of fries in every single bag. And I have never seen that in another restaurant, especially like McDonald's, Britain, anywhere, but here's what I love most about it. When they're training a new fry cook to come in, what are they saying, right? Okay, well, this person, they have two small and a medium fries. We put them here. Oh, don't forget the scoop on top. Why? Yeah. What does that say? It says you're providing value. You're probably, I mean, yeah. it's in the form of calories, but still you're providing <laughs> value. You're, probably, you're providing extra. Yeah. Nobody's ever complained about not getting enough fry, guys at, uh, fries at yeah. five guys. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a smart
0: strategy. Mm -hmm. But what about the cost? Because, you know, our goal is to be profitable. Um, How can you do those extra things like that and be an authority in profitability? Are they mutually exclusive?
1: No, I think it's all tied into their business model. I think part of their business model, and I'm guessing they knew from the beginning, or maybe they at some point revised their business model to know that their food cost is going to be such and such, and it's going to include that extra scoop of fries in every bag because that's worth so much more. So even if all of a sudden they end a quarter and someone says, ooh, dude, the food cost is is out of control... I would bet they would not say, oh, let's eliminate that extra that extra scoop of fries because it says so much about their culture. They're not. They're going to look for other ways. I don't think five guys are struggling with their food costs, is my guess. I follow them. Yeah. Um, it is a public company, so I don't think they are. But it's tied together. And it all comes back to really your business model. How did you intend to make money? And then you yeah. follow that. And Profit First fits beautifully into that.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about your book, Profit First for Restaurants. What type of restaurants is it for?
1: Honestly, it could be for any restaurant, but I think the ones that would benefit the most would be uh, the smaller, independent, maybe one to five locations um, that either are starting up because it's a great way. Man, if I went back and reopened my restaurant, I opened one mine in 1999 one. and yeah. had this. Yeah, we. I don't even know if you and I would have met, <laughs> right? Because you know, you would just, I would have because
0: I've been serving. You've owned me, and I would been mowing your lawn or something right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Exactly. I would own the next McDonald's. So um, yeah. So uh, it would be for small independent or uh, startups. And if you're kind of struggling or you're not making as much money or you're struggling to pay bills at all, or maybe you just want to make more, anything like that. I'd say just about any restaurant, read the book. Not only does it help you put intention behind every single dollar that comes in and magic will happen guaranteed, but there's some talk about culture and really some fun stuff you can do with your staff, little tiny tweaks that'll change your entire guest experience. And then there's uh, some marketing and some of it's in your book, get different yeah. uh, where you included a story about a marketing c- uh, campaign that I ran that again was very inexpensive and super it. effective. The birthday candle promotion. I yeah, turned like,
0: to balloons because candles. hmm yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's there's lots of little goodies, lots of tools we built, and we're designing a workbook to go through it. So any restaurateur who gets the book would be able to p- implement all of this themselves. They don't need to hire outside. They can just do it themselves.
0: I love that. You can do it yourself. It's for fine dining to fast food, yes. all the variants in between. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a companion workbook, which I think is unique. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah. So it's almost finished now. I'm so proud of this workbook. It's just, it's really fun. And really, we go every, we take every chapter and we kind of like shrink it down. And just to give you what you know, most of it is going to be kind of the graphics with a brief explanation. So you can kind of go through the book in that way. Um, which is almost like a picture book. And then when you get to the little bit more challenging stuff, which is a, your instant assessment, which is figuring out where the money is going in your business right now. It just, it has a spreadsheet on a page and with pencil and paper and your bank statements, you can just do it yourself right there. Cause sometimes that can be a little intimidating. We just knock it down, make it super simple. So anyone can do the assessments, figure out your profit first, your caps, your allocation percentages. Then we go into your menu costing. You could pull out your menu item and you can go through it there to your marketing. It includes everything in a workbook. So with a pencil, you can just get it done.
0: Where can people get a copy of profit first for restaurants and ultimately your companion book?
1: So wherever fine books are sold, but right now, um, it is available today on Amazon and we have it in the Kindle, the ebook version, the paperback and the audiobook is coming out and the workbook, um, soon after we're just putting the finishing touches on it now.
0: All right. Prop first nation. You heard it here first, get your copy of prop first for restaurants. And even if you don't own a restaurant, I have read books outside my industry and learned so much more about my own industry. I challenge you to pick up a copy. Casey, as always, awesome seeing you. It was awesome seeing you at Don's house. Oh and my God, it was awesome, it was awesome seeing you again. being
1: at Don's house. That so, was yeah. amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> Thank you so uh, much for your time. This is great. You're Mike.
0: welcome. Continue success with your buck. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Profit First Nation podcast. We hope you found today's episode valuable and that it's inspired you to take action towards achieving permanent profitability in your business. If you want to learn more about how to implement Profit First in your business and connect with a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, be sure to visit us at ProfitFirstNation.com to download our how-to guides and resources. Remember, permanent profitability is within your reach, and we're here to support you every step of the way. So let's do Profit First right together.
1: Profit First Nation website, related podcasts and videos are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or
0: other professional.